Coming up, it's the Two Tools Baseball Podcast 99th episode. So we start off with a fun game of ranking the best players number 99 of all time. And then to celebrate being one quarter of the way through the MLB season, Travis and I go through and give midterm progress report grades for some of the teams that are overperforming, underperforming, some of the highlight players of the season so far. Find out the grades for your favorite team coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 99. Alex and I are coming to you. It is Wednesday, May 17th. Alex, this is the 99th episode we've been doing so far. I mean, it's uh it's hard to believe. Oh, let's see. Yeah, over a two-year span now. It's been it's been exciting, but I have a little exercise I want to start off with. 99. Keep that in mind. Five players wearing or wore the 99 on their jersey. I want you to rank them for me. Can you do that for me? I can think of Aaron Judge. Uh, he's on the list. Yeah, he's on the list. I got George Mikan. Oh. Aaron Judge. All sports. I like it. Yep. George Mikan, Aaron Judge, Aaron Donald, Wayne Gretzky, J.J. Watt. That is a very fun five. I like this. Okay. So I'm ranking them. Okay. So I feel like I am not a hockey person, Travis. It's probably, you're not, it's yeah. definitely the worst in terms of my knowledge and my viewership of the major four <clears throat> sports. I even watch it less than soccer, to be honest. But out of respect, uh, he has to be number one, right? Gretzky has to be number one. Um, I think he is so far ahead of other hockey players when you're talking about the GOAT for the sport. And none of the other guys you mentioned are quite in that level. Next up, I personally. I probably would say Aaron Donald. I think that he truly deserves to go down as like one of the best defensive players of all time in NFL. I think that JJ Watt has a similar case, but I think Aaron Donald's run in 2021 slash 2022 um, when they won the Super Bowl um, is just super uh, a special run in the playoffs where he was so impactful. He like ended the game in the conference finals and the Super Bowl with a game winning sack um, or tackle for loss, you know. So um, just a super key player. And then just every single year, all pro, three time defensive player of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So I'll go Donald second. Maybe third, I'll go George Mikan. Um, he is a really old school NBA guy. Um, definitely played um, like in a segregated era of the sport and you know the league was completely different at the time but it's hard to argue with five championships that he did win with the Minneapolis Lakers um, one of the most common drills Travis for youth and um, youth basketball players is the Mike and drill practicing your uh, touch around the rim so I think he's impacted the game in a big way probably the first uh, big name in uh, NBA player that I can think of is George Mikan, um, you know, truly historic name. And then maybe the last two between Judge and Watt, it's pretty tough. Um, Judge still has more to prove. 
uh, more career ahead of him. So for that reason, I'll probably go Watt for now as number four. Watt, I think he might have three different three defensive players of the year as well, just like uh, Aaron Donald. But um, you know, Watt, unfortunately, um, you know, it's football, so it's hard to uh, blame like a lack of of winning on a player. But it feels like he's never been in like the the big the big huge game uh, quite enough times. But still a legendary defensive player. One of the most impactful of his generation for sure and then aaron judge travis uh an mvp to his name um you know defines this current yankees uh i wouldn't call it a you know this yankees generation i guess like the last uh decade plus has been the name uh for sure for them and uh an mvp last season a super historic season but one season of baseball that's really mind-blowing for me is not uh, on the same level as some of those other guys that we're talking about there's a really good chance he could climb a spot or two on this ranking by the time his career is over if he can hit some career milestones. Um, and his peak is really, really great. But, um, you know, he's played like, what, six, seven, eight seasons in the MLB so far. So um, that's where I'm going to land that right now. Um, any disagreements? Excellent list. Yeah, I I, I really like it. I, I will say Mike is a little bit of a wild card um, in terms of ranking him third. Uh, you look at the individual stat numbers. I think he only had like 10,000 points. So, you know, it, it's it's not impressive to today's standards, but I totally get it. Um, back then, it was just layups and five five foot shots, practically, you know, no, no Steph Curry bangs, uh, nothing like that. No LeBron James dunks, anything like that. But uh, he was a winner. I believe it's like seven championships for Mike and Mike and is uh, five, five. OK, I, I, I checked and it said an N two NBL. Oh, so in like 47, 48. Uh, I wonder if he got. Ring, I wonder if he got rings for those NBL <clears throat> rings. <Yeah. laughs> so uh, five uh, NBA, or uh, I think it was the NBA back then. Yes. But uh, five NBA championships, two NBL championships. So if you want to count them both, seven championships, which is of course um, up there with you know all time greats, like a guy like he, Bill Russell. He, he had his uh, number retired this season for the for the Lakers. I think his like son and like got grandson or something were, were there. Okay. Um. And if you kind of use that as a metric too, like um, retired numbers, it feels like it's not as big of a thing in, in NFL maybe. But you know, JJ Watt is the kind of guy who I think the Texans would, you know, that he's like one of those, like they're probably their marquee defensive player of all time. The Rams for sure being that they drafted Donald and he has accomplished so much in the Rams uniform. It, that's like a retired number kind of like, not that, not that those franchises will do that, but yeah. that's the kind of thing that, um, that's the kind of status they have with their team. And I think Judge, when it's all said and done, if I had to guess, given his recent contract, will probably end up having 99 retired um, if, if, I had to, Definitely. if I had to bet. Yeah. Definitely. And and I will say I think Donald and even Watt probably could make an all-defensive team of all time. And they're, those two guys are probably – I mean, I think Donald's easily on the D-line for an all-time defense. Watt probably on the edge as well. Just uh, two outstanding players. Watt's kind of a cool uh, – player in itself he's he, he kind of is like a Shohei Otani because he did play some tight end on a couple plays uh during the during some goal line plays I know Texans put him in at tight end um to to catch some passes he actually caught some touchdowns which is pretty crazy going both ways I mean that's something you do not at all see in uh the NFL but Alex we're missing one guy um that's 99 Dodger Manny Ramirez Manny Wood Manny Wood Number one, number zero, <laughs> numbers above above the rest. But Travis, he does have that one like just oh, unbelievable, over, yeah. unbelievable second half 
to whatever season that was, like 2009 or something. Yep. Uh, where he just was hitting the ball like crazy. He's like a 1200 OPS. And then he gets popped for steroids or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that's how yeah. it goes. But yeah. and I think he became an absolute menace in like the Korean league or whatever it was. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, I, I, I think I still saw him like this season, like taking BP hacks and it was, it still was impressive. Like it's, yeah, I think he's like 46 or something like that, but, um, or, or older, but you know, at least it's, he still can still can swing it. But, uh, started off with that today, Alex, uh, we're getting so close to that. 100 i thought it'd be fun to do 99 and i just thought to my in my head i said there's there's got to be five historically great 99s in in all of sports and there really are so uh we'll kick it off to that alex what should we uh what should we talk about today should we talk about the uh bringing back up aaron judge should we talk about his eyesight and and what he's doing peeking peeking over to the uh, Yankees bench. Yeah, there was a viral clip that was going around, I think it was yesterday, where he's in the batter's box staring at the pitcher as the pitcher's, you know, shaking off signs or doing the pitch calm stuff. And at some point when the pitcher kind of comes set, he peeks over at his dugout, peeks back at the pitcher, and then hits one out of the ballpark. And so people were kind of wondering, where is he looking at? Is someone relaying a sign? Is there sign stealing going on, you know? And everything I've heard um, from Yankees camp, from Yankees, you know, fans, it's all just been like, oh, yeah, the uh, the pitcher was tipping. And so the dugout had picked up on it and was uh, giving him the the tell. Whatever the tell was, they were they were letting him, letting Judge know what, to, what was going to come. You know, it's definitely one of those fun things. That I think, Travis, I think we're going to be paranoid for the next few decades here where every time someone uh, suspect, suspects like sign stealing or cheating, yeah. everyone's going to say, wait, 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 wait. Like, is is there technology being used? Is, is <laughs> yes. it like, so I, I think I saw a tweet saying, did someone hack their pitch com? Like, imagine if the Yankees had <laughs> yeah. a device that could hack the pitch com and then like... Siri thinks that. Siri was trying to chime in there for a second. I'm not sure what that was about, but imagine if a team was able to use a device to like hack into the catcher, giving a sign to a pitcher to the pitch com, or obviously what the Astros did with the center field cameras. I feel like no team would really try that again, just given that, you know, someone's already gotten caught that way. So why would you take that risk? But either way, Travis, it made for a fun online, you know, spectacle but what was your thoughts about seeing the judge clip yeah it was uh i mean what i'm impressed is is how hard and how far he can hit the baseball i mean i i think that that probably two pitches after that whole uh incident of him looking over uh, i i god he must have smacked that thing like 460 feet to center in in uh at uh at toronto but um i'm i really don't make too much of it uh you know i there's you're pretty much innocent until proven guilty. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really accusing anything of judge. Like he's a, he's a big cheater. I mean, we saw him last year and everything seemed normal with him. He's just a big dude that can hit the ball uh, really hard and, and, and a long ways this week, Alex, he's had, yeah, I, I'm not counting today. I don't know if he's homered today, but he has had five home runs so far this week. So wow. that's probably some guy that we'll be talking about um, as a uh, as an American League player of the week. I mean, he's he's kind of going off. I think he, he was on the IL for a little bit, but now that he's back, um, it seems that the power is all back to normal. Uh, Eleven home runs on the year, so he's kind of just cruising as as usual. Um, should be someone who probably can coast right in for like a forty home run season uh, again. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't make too much of it. I think, I think people wanted to start it, start that whole 
conversation about, oh, do we have another cheater on our hands? Do we, uh, you know, do we start investigating this? But again, I think that we're just Twitter and social media wants to just have another story to talk about. I'm sure on, on, on the front page of a New York magazine or newspaper in the sports section, it was Aaron Judge peaking, or maybe in Toronto it was Aaron Judge peaking. And then, you know, you get, you spark these conversations, but uh, nothing really to make of it. Where should we move on to next, Alex? Yeah, Travis, as it stands, we are just about, I believe, a quarter of the way through this season. Uh, if you look at like the the breakdown, most teams are hovering right around 40, like 1, 42, 43 mm-hmm. games played. And if you look at that, Travis, out of, you know, 162, uh, when you're halfway through, or I get, I'll put it this way, when you're a quarter of the way through a school year, what time is that? That is time for midterms, Travis. <laughs> so we are going to have a midterm sort of report card or a kind of a, a breakdown on some of these teams, some of the players so far, one quarter of the way through, kind of a progress report, if you will, where we can give a grade to some of these teams who are maybe doing well, maybe doing poorly, and some of the players who are doing maybe well or poorly, or maybe they're right on track with expectations. And you have to say, you know, this guy gets a B because he's mm-hmm. doing what we expected him to do, not really going above and beyond and and hasn't disappointed us yet. But Travis, um, there's a handful of places we could start with this. You know, there's been teams we've bashed on before or teams we've praised. Um, but I'll, I'll start somewhere kind of unique and try to get a unique, you know, conversation going to start. It's going to be with a player instead of a team. Um, I'm going to talk about Mike Trout first. So we can talk about what we make of his first, you know, quarter of the season here. He just did Homer today. So whatever numbers we look up, they're going to be, you know, a bit out of date. But still, I think that overall, just going off of what he's done so far this year, uh, he started off very well. I'm sure he'll get hot again at some point, but definitely uh, has had a really dry, uh, a big dry spell first half of May. I think it was his worst um, offensive half month uh, mm-hmm. in his career, the first half of May. His current slash line is 274 average 361 on base 490 slugging which that obviously goes up after the home run today probably i think it went up to north of 500 just barely but you know down at a 130 ops plus on the season uh still gonna have a good war he's at about one and uh let me see here he's at about 1.2 baseball reference war so i mean he's still on pace for like five plus war if you look at it that way because we're only a quarter of the way through uh but travis give me your thoughts on trout's quarter first quarter of the season what kind of grade would you give him on his report card at the moment you know given the expectation of him and the angels Mm -hmm. where are you at with him yeah i i'm probably scoring trout uh a d right now um yeah the numbers are upsetting uh Average is right around where he's usually at. I'm not really too concerned with that. But the on base, it has dropped over the last couple of seasons. You know, last year he was hurt, but he was at a 369 on base. And he's usually somewhere that's, you know, he's north of a 420 most of the time. Um, When you look at his primetime days, like 2016 and 19, the on base was north of uh, about a 435 every single season, which is, you know, it's just stupid when you look at that. But at a 361 this year, Slugging has gone down, of course, uh, at a 490 so far. What was interesting about last year is that the, you know, 
he still had an OPS at a, at a 999. Um, the on base went down a lot, but the slugging actually was still, you know, at pretty much near what his career highs were. So I was not really concerned. I was like, if the on base goes down, but the slugging's going up, um, you know, that's you can you can make that sacrifice, and he's still around a thousand. I had a 175 OPS plus, but right now I'd give him a D. Um, eight home runs is good. Uh, you know, 10 doubles is good as well, but I just, I, I think he's not walking enough. And I think that strikeouts are really going up. He's almost at, you know, looking at today, I, I think he struck out probably once or twice today. We'll see what happens with the update, but right now he's at 48, pretty close to 50. So you're looking at, you know, a little bit over a strikeout a game. So uh, his career high has been a hundred and it looks like 184 strikeouts in a season, but um, he could be coming close to that number and that mark. Again, I, I, he strikes out a lot. I'm not going to say that's that's a bad thing. Um, he also walks a lot. He hits home runs a lot. So um, I just think he needs to get back to uh, working some of these counts and, and getting on base because that's the one of the big numbers that's been dropping over the past couple of years. That's a little bit of a concern. I don't like this 361, even though for the average ball player, that's still a, that's still a pretty good on base percentage. But for Mike Trout, he's always going to be near the 400 mark. So uh, I'm giving him a D right now to start the season off. Yeah, I think it's a fair breakdown. Looking at some of his numbers, uh, what I'm seeing on fan graphs, I do expect uh, some things to get a bit better in terms of like he's making good quality of contact. Um, you're, I agree with what you're saying about the walks are down this year. He's walking 10% of the time. Last year it was 10.8, and then year before was 18%. Yeah. And in his prime, he's walking 17, 18, 20% of the time, which was just um, on another level in his prime the strikeout rate was usually hovering in like the 20s or low 20s this year he's at 26.7 so that is rising as well uh, I do think that the slugging will go up a bit it just kind of comes down to it being early and you know the, the variance will kind of continue to go up and down I do think he finishes like above 150 OPS plus if mm -hmm. I had to guess I do think that he um, is still one of the best hitters in baseball um, over the course of like a full season, looking at uh, some of his stat cast stuff, he currently is still like 90th percentile in barreling the ball. Hard hit data is really good. Uh, he's still really uh, like top 10% in baseball in terms of not uh, chasing bad pitches. The issue has been swinging and missing at strikes. That has really been what his issue is. He's still not chasing junk. But when the ball is in the zone, Travis, he is having some trouble making contact. He kind of swings through the ball a lot. The whiff percentage is high. Therefore, the strikeout percentage is quite high. And that's just kind of a part of aging, I think. I think it becomes harder to kind of keep up with the fastball. Um, he is just 31. So I think Angel fans are still hoping that he kind of makes those adjustments, figures out how to put the fastball in play a bit more. Another fun thing is he still has 96th percentile sprint speed. He still is like one of the fastest players um, in the game. And it's really funny to think that as he ages, of all the things you think that would go, maybe you think, oh, maybe his power will dip. Oh, maybe his vision will dip. Oh, maybe his contact will dip. But I think his speed, many people would guess like, oh, as you get older, your speed will for sure go. Yeah. But it hasn't. It's actually the thing that's been the most steady. I feel like um, he still has a really good eye. And he's still really, really fast. And the power is still obviously great. Um, it just comes down to kind of making more contact on some of those uh, balls in the zone. I do think he'll make the adjustments. At least I hope so. 
Um, but yeah, the fastballs in the zone, I think a lot of Angel fans have been harping about that. I do expect some adjustments. I still think he's an elite hitter. Um, you and, know, and I will say Vegas is with you, Alex, because yesterday MGM just posted their odds for MVP. They did an update. Um, Mike Trout's still second <laughs> really? in the American League MVP. I think it's at a plus 1,000. Uh, so 10 to 1 odds to win the MVP. Right now, of course, Shohei is the clear favorite to win the MVP. Not too many not too many takers so far. You know, Judge has been hurt, but he, of course, can come back. I, I, I would expect over the maybe the course of the week if he continues to hit home runs and if Trout continues to kind of keep up this uh, behavior or, or this play, then you will see a judge probably surpass Mike Trout. But uh, interesting enough, Vegas, MGM, a lot of the sports books still think Mike Trout right now is still second best in odds for the AL MVP. So who, that's what's interesting. Who's third, Judge? Third is Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Okay, I was going to yeah. say, I heard that Vladdy had a tweak in his knee. I'm, I think he might be day-to-day or something like that. So that's something to watch for as well. But um, and, and fourth, you got Big Adley. <laughs> really? Okay, because I was going to say, fourth, yeah. towards the top of the AL, it gets pretty dicey because different guys have injuries and some guys aren't stepping up. Like J-Ram, I think he's great. He hasn't had a monster yeah. first quarter of the mm-hmm. season. He's been good, though. Uh, and then other guys like um, Judge, a little bit of injury thing. Trout has missed some a little bit of time and obviously um, not having his best uh, first quarter of the year. But uh, one funny thing is, Travis, someone posted like Trout's OPS through like whatever it is, like 30 whatever games. How far are we through? Like 32, 33 games for the Angels? Yep. Right now. uh, Sorry. Sorry. 42, 43. Yeah. yeah, Right now. uh, Trout's Trout's got 41 games on his on his 2023 campaign. So I think the stat was like. Trout through like 40 games like what is his OPS and this is his worst season right now but his second worst season was 2014 and he still won the MVP that year yeah so it's pretty funny how like all it can take is like a big you know July or you know whatever it might be I mean last year he was hurt for most of the season came back and like in August or something he had like seven straight games with the homer so like a lot of things can happen quickly to kind of uh, make these numbers rebound a bit. What, what, what's funny too is, you know, like I mentioned, 41 games he's played this season. He played 119 last year. So that, about 160 if you combine the last two seasons. You combine all the numbers, 48 home runs for Mike Trout, 100 RBIs. He's batting 280. He's got a 367 on base, but a 593 slug. Still got an OPS at a 960, OPS plus at a 960, or I'm sorry, a one. 63 so you're still putting up not the mike trout expectation season which is what makes him so great but you're still putting up a hall of fame season uh and a really good mvp season right there too as well so i'll keep it moving travis let's take a look at uh another topic here i'm gonna switch over to the padre so we're going to a team now we'll bounce back and forth between teams and players and just try to have some fun with it and if any come to mind for you, go ahead and let me know. But okay. we'll, we'll go we'll go to the Padres at the moment, Travis. Not sure what they're doing today, but coming into today, they are currently sitting at 20 and 23 as a record. That's seven games behind the Dodgers, four games behind Arizona. Uh, they currently looking at just their kind of team breakdown at the moment. Obviously, they're third. Um, in the NL West, but looking at their player performances, you know, Tatis actually has been quite good since coming back. He currently, if I look at his numbers, uh, batting average is two, is a uh, 287, uh, on base is 327, so not elite figures there. 
The slugging is 485. So an 812 OPS is not exactly what you would hope for him, I'd say. But um, a 127 OPS plus and five homers and five doubles in about 20 games, I think that's a pretty good spot to be. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen some kind of web gem or at least really, uh, you know, ESPN top 10 type throws out there in right field, gunning guys out on the base path. So uh, I think that he is slowly doing his part. A 1.3 baseball reference war is, I think, really good considering he missed the first couple weeks. If you look at their team, Travis, he actually already is third in war for them as a team. Uh, baseball reference war, that is. He's ahead of Juan Soto, who's you know played the whole year. He's ahead of a lot of their role players, only behind Hasian Kim and Xander Bogarts. But... Travis, they are a bit of a tough team to rank at the moment. I mean, Machado is really having a dreadful start to the year, especially if you kind of factor in his standards. Uh, a 231 batting average for Machado, a 282 on base, just abysmal. 372 slugging, really bad for his standards. Um, 654 OPS. Yikes, yeah. Uh, it's just not good at all. It does have five home runs, but you do expect more um, based on what they're paying him. He did get his big uh, payday in the offseason, and we, we kind of gave praise to the move because he'd been so consistent. Um, he unfortunately is moving to a bit of an older phase in his career. He's still not old by any means, but he will be 31 in the summer here, so in July I I think that contract's gonna age badly, Travis. I know we're just like we're only like like we said, we're a quarter of the way into his new deal, mm -hmm. a quarter of a season, I should say. But eleven years for three fifty, like that, I think is not gonna be looking good when he's like forty and a DH, and you know we'll see. Maybe the bat does have a good um, rebound in his like mid and late thirties and stuff. But I I think that this is a, not a great spot for him. Um, and I'm not going to bash him. I just think that uh, this team has World Series expectations. It looks like they only have three guys in their starting lineup who have OPS plus numbers above 100, so above average hitters. The rotation has some decent guys and also some guys like Snell and Lugo who have not been, you know, immediate fits. Um, but Travis, go ahead and give me your grade for the San Diego Padres a quarter of the way through the season at 20 and 23 record. Yeah. Um, in, in first starting off Machado, yeah, 0.2 baseball reference war. I mean, if you want to do the math, you're basically saying he's going to finish the year, um, under a, uh, under a one war, which <laughs> I'm betting he's going to be over that, but, um, just not, yeah, not the start that Padres fans and Machado was hoping to get off to. But, um, you know, I, I want to be nice and give him, a D, but I, I have to give him an F right now. I mean, Alex, they, they lost today to the Kansas City Royals. They lost the series to the Kansas City Royals. The 13 and 31 Kansas City Royals went into San Diego and took two or three from the Padres. Um, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not saying it's panic time, but I, I just, they, they do this every year where they just love to kind of like play around and, and, and they, they, they have the names in the lineup and they think that they're all good on paper and they are good on paper. But when it comes to actually playing the game, some of these guys just aren't picking up the slack or aren't delivering. Um, they now are 20 and 24, seven games out of first place. The Dodgers are red hot. They just got off a sweep with the Minnesota Twins. So the Dodgers, of course, we thought they were kind of cooled off the early part of the season. We didn't know what to expect from them. Um, 
And now uh, things are kind of going in opposite directions. And it's such a Padres thing. They they took the game one, I think it was last week against the Dodgers. And, you know, they they had a, a picture or a meme of Kershaw crying or, you know, they, they, they made the fans all happy with all that because they beat Kershaw and they were so happy. But then the Dodgers, of course, they won the series. And then they, I believe, played the Padres in L.A., and I think won that they, they won that series as well. I think they won like five straight against them or something. And, and so it, then you look at the Padres and and you know it, it's I don't know it, it's it's too early and it's it, you can't be taunting these kind of things right now when you can't even back it up with beating this you know the freaking Kansas City Royals. You, you lose two of three with them. So um, the, they're a team that I just feel like they they need to stay poised and they need to stay focused on on winning and and accomplishing the overall goal and that is of course you know getting to the playoffs making a deep run making it to the world series because i mean right now i think they're just still living off of the 2022 national league division series against the la dodgers i think that's what they're 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 just all their energy is just kind of still fuming off of is that that victory and and beating the you know quote on big brother uh north of the five you know five freeway northbound but i i just right now i just it, it's disappointing as a baseball fan if you are a Padres fan you are of course really upset uh things are not going the way i think snell's been completely awful um darvish has been here or there but i just feel like there's it's 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 a tricky thing right now uh for the Padres. so i i'd probably say f right now yeah i i'm, I'm pretty disappointed in their play i i personally think that you know I'm not writing them off at all in terms of what they can accomplish this season. I think teams have these kind of starts all the time and end up being, you know, still wild card threats. And, you know, they were a wild card team last year and they made it to the championship series. I don't know why that couldn't happen again based on their current start, but it does come down to getting all the guys um, to play up to their potential. Machado has not. Tatis working his way back to that level. Soto has been up and down in his Padres tenure. I would say his Padres tenure overall has not been as productive as the Nationals tenure. I still do think that um, his absolutely, uh, you know, best in the world uh, plate discipline is still something that is so valuable. It will continue to uh, make him an elite player. But yeah, I think overall there have been a lot of questions about what this team's direction is. I I'm not sure that they are uh, on a good pace to accomplish what they expect to accomplish given all the trades they've made all the draft cap or i should say the uh, uh farm system capital they've given up in terms of giving out all their you know farm system depth several of their top prospects for win now players you better hope you win now and they haven't been so that's kind of where i'm at with them I do think that there's still time to make the changes necessary. I do wonder if, if this season kind of ends up flopping, how do they view Soto long-term? Are they going to be able to extend him? Are they going to think it's a wise move to extend him? If they look at their their books and they say, oh, we have Tatis and Machado owed this much money, can we really afford to give Soto, you know, $35 million a year for 13 years or whatever he's going to ask for, maybe, you know, 15-year contract because he's still so young. Um, are they going to try to maybe flip Soto for something or, you know, are they, I think they've always been rumored as a potential team for Otani uh, when the free agency Otani sweepstakes comes around is, are they really going to be top bidders on that? Travis, they were top bidders. Yeah. What I heard, they were top bidders on Aaron Judge and Trey Turner. I think they actually, if I'm not mistaken, 
They offered more, more money, money. Yeah. more money than the Phillies did on Trey Turner, but Trey just wanted to be on the East Coast, and uh, Judge wanted to stay Yankee. But the Padres have been serious with the money recently. I'm wondering if there becomes more of a question when the results don't follow um, the spending and the prospects that have been sent out. So I think that there's reasonable concern uh, in San Diego. That being said, I think there's enough talent on the roster to still compete um, for their goal of this season of to try to win it all. Mm -hmm. I'm not writing them off yet, but 20 and 23 in the middle of a really bad spell. They need to do something soon. Um, Travis, we'll keep it moving on another team i'd like to talk about a team that i would say is overperforming anything that you and i had expected coming into this year we'll go to the baltimore orioles as it currently stands they are 27 and 15 they just beat the angels so i think they're actually 28 and 15 if i'm not mistaken coming into today they were four and a half games back of the red hot tampa bay rays they are actually three full games ahead of both Toronto and the New York Yankees, two teams that are playing well. They are four and a half games ahead of Boston, who is three games above 500. So it's just crazy how they are kind of slowly starting to build a cushion between them and the rest of, you know, the contenders in the middle of the uh, AL East, because we all knew, you know, Tampa, Tampa Bay started so hot, and these other four teams were all kind of in the mix. Now Baltimore is trying to kind of build a, a barrier there between them and the rest. Do you think that this is something that's, you know, sustainable, first of all? Do you consider them a legitimate, you know, playoff threat? Do you think that they, um, are you locking them into the wild card already? You know, where are you at with them? What kind of grade would you give them based on their expectations? Um, if I, if I look quickly just at like their, their top players, it's just a handful of guys that, um, are stepping up in really big ways. Obviously we know what Adley can do, um, but he's only fourth in baseball reference war for them. We know what Cedric Mullins can do. He's only fifth in baseball reference war for them. They're led by Yenier Yenier Cano at, you know, nearly two war as a relief pitcher who's been unhittable so far. Tyler Wells, um, who's also just been, um, really good for them. He's currently rocking a 2.68 ERA in uh, seven games started, eight games pitched. And then uh, Jorge Mateo has had a good start to the year as well. But they just feel deeper, Travis, than years past. Um, a lot of different guys are contributing. You know, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Santander, Jorge Mateo, Ryan Mountcastle, all these guys above average OPS pluses, Gunner right around average, Ryan O'Hearn right around average, and then um, even guys on the bench um, have decent slash lines themselves. No big, huge, uh, gaping weaknesses in the rotation. I would say Grayson has struggled to start his season, but you know I would say Kramer and Gibson are like around average pitchers. They're in the four ERA range. I do think the pitching needs to improve in order for them to be a scary team. But the bullpen has been uh, so, so hot. So, Travis, um, give me your thoughts on the Orioles. What grade would you give them on their first quarter? And do you expect them to be there where they're at now when the season ends? Yeah, I give them an A. Uh, they have been really overperforming. I, I, if you would if you would ask me where the Orioles would be, you know, 40 games in, 45 games in, I'd probably say, you know, probably flirting somewhere around 500. But, but I definitely think under 500. I, I think... The American League East is so deadly. It, it's it's so good that 
the the Orioles are probably still having kind of a tough time getting to that 500 spot. But I I, I can't explain it. I Alex, I mean, going into this series, I mean, I'm watching every game now um, over the last couple of days because the Angels are playing them. But you know, I, I I look at their lineup and I I really just don't think it's that deadly. I mean, I mean, it, it has some good hitters here and there, but it just doesn't have like that true superstar. Adley, of course, is on his way and he is their best um, in terms of OPS plus. He is their best hitter. But I just I don't see their lineup as, you know, having, oh, they have a Devers or they have a Judge or they have a Vladdy Guerrero, Bichette, Chapman or, you know, um, some of these other, you know, just top performers in in the American League. And here they are, the the second best team in um, yeah second best team in the American League and second place in the East. Uh, and then you look at the pitching side and if you take out Tyler Wells, I mean, everybody has an ERA north of a four five yes. and a FIP north of a four three. So and and all the ERA pluses are below clearly below 100. So it doesn't make sense. And then uh, but then the bullpen, of course, is the is the exact opposite. I mean, the bullpen is just so dynamic and is just excellent this year. Uh, I think it's Yenier Cano. Felix Batista, Brian Baker, uh, some of these names that you probably don't even hear of and you haven't even heard of ever are are really just showing up this season. And so it's an interesting team. I I I will say I think they're gonna take a step back as the season progresses. There may be some just um there may be some just some early season luck involved, but you know, and they're winning these games in I wouldn't say the most dominating fashion, but they are winning these ball games, and that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Um, but it, it is very surprising to see kind of a, what, with at least looking at the stats and then what the record is showing, um, would not expect this from this team right now. They they are they are really outperforming. I mean, good for them. They are a team that's on the rise, and they're they're off to a great start. They they mean business right now, and they want to be one of those wildcard teams at the end of the year. And right now it's looking really good. So um, I think we were, one thing I always look back at is, you know, Vegas and, and these sports books had them at 78 and a half wins. And I, I actually said, um, I think they'll be over. I think they'll be under it. And right now, I mean, they're, they're showing me that they could, they're, they're on track to clearly be over that right now and be, you know, close to a 90 win team or 90 plus wins. So um, Orioles a right now, a plus, but I, I think it will take kind of a step back but I do think that they're going to be a good team throughout the entire season. I, I think a playoff shot is is very realistic right now. I agree with the playoff uh, possibilities for them. It does feel like it'd be a bit early in this sort of rebuild. I would be a bit surprised just because, you know, Gunnar, Gunnar Henderson is still young and improving. Grayson Rodriguez is still young and improving. Uh, I think a lot of their kind of window is in the future. Yet, you know, they're out here getting wins and winning series and, you know, beating good teams. So I do think that they should make a push for it. Why not get there sooner than later? But in order for them to be a, a real threat, I think that they would have to kind of stay hot until the trade deadline. Hopefully still be, you know, a handful of games above 500. And then at that point, trade for some pitching. Um, I'm not sure who they would target. But if there's any pitchers available, and every year there usually is at the deadline, you'd have to think that they'd be interested just because, you know, the bottom of the order, you know, I like Kyle Bradish um, has been just kind of okay. Cole Irvin has been pretty poor um, in just 12 and, and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, looking around, you know, Gibson and Kramer more average. So outside of Tyler Wells, it's been nothing too special. So I think starting pitching is just like a clear 
uh, point where they can look to improve at some point here. But overall, uh, you can't deny that uh, their fans should be pretty happy with how they're playing. Travis, if we kind of keep it rolling here and look at um, what we're going to cover next, I wanted to talk about one of the most, I'll say, I wouldn't say controversial, but one of the players that caused the most uh, debates last season with how poorly he was playing. I'm talking about Joey Gallo. We can actually talk about the Twins as a whole as well and kind of how he ties into their success. At the moment, it's just crazy. He's hitting a 214 batting average, which, you know, his career, he's never been the batting average guy. Yep. But his on base is 325, which is, you know, not not an amazing batting, not amazing on base, but it really shows he's walking a ton, you know, 15 walks out of uh, 33 games. And then the slugging is great at 561. He has nine homers, five doubles, and a triple. A 140 OPS plus, despite the really, the really low batting average. It just kind of tells me he is doing a ton of damage despite the low average. I am someone who you know and listeners probably know I'm okay with a bad batting average if the rest of the profile grades out quite well. I think he's playing great defense. I think that he is uh, doing well at the plate despite the average. So give me your uh, thoughts on Gallo's season so far. Is this something he can continue or is that kind of that trouble he had with the Yankees? Is that, is that inevitable? Is that going to come back at some point? And uh, we can also talk about the twins as a whole. Do you think that, you know, this current run run that they're on is legit? I mean, uh, they have such a good odds to make the postseason right now just because their division is weak, but in terms of a threat to win it all, um, does the depth of a guys like Gallo and, and maybe if Correa rebounds and if, you know, of course, if uh, Buxton stays healthy, is, are, do they have the ingredients necessary to make a big run at this? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say this, Joey Gallo. Um, it's tough. I want to be, yeah, I want to be a little bit critique, but uh, I want to critique these guys a little bit, but I, I'll say both of them, um, both are getting a B right now. Um, okay. Joey Gallo gets a B because, um, he has been he has been spectacular. I I think that uh, getting out of New York is is a big getting out of a big market is a big key in his success. I mean, you go back to the days in Texas. He was a great hitter. He was a great ball player. He goes to the Big Apple. Things don't go that well. Yeah, he, uh, he goes to L.A. Things get a little bit better, but still not a hundred percent back on track. Now going back to a small market team like Minnesota. And things kind of get back on track. He has the OPS that's, you know, in the high 800s. The OPS plus is back at a 140. Um, home runs are back, nine home runs so far in the year. So I really like what Joey Gallo has been doing. And I think it really can uh, continue with with what he's been doing. But And also the Twins, I will say, um, I'll give him a B as well. I, I, I really like the start they're on. I think that a lot of us thought they'd be a top three team. You know, at this point, they are the number one. Uh, still only a, uh, I think it's a three and a half, might be a two and a half game lead now with kind of way that the scores have been going. They got swept today by the Dodgers and some of the other teams in the central have been winning. So I will say it's a, it's a B for me only because I feel like they're just not running away with it yet. The, this, this central is so bad. They need to, they, they need to start running away with this thing right now because you don't want to get down the stretch and have to compete with a team like a Cleveland. Um, even if the White Sox kind of were away, sneak their way back in, you know, maybe that could be a little bit of a, of, of a head scratcher, especially with the way that Luis Roberts has been swinging the bat. 
Um, and then also with Detroit kind of just lingering here and there, um, I think Minnesota really needs to do a good job for the next couple of weeks running away with this division, building this game uh, lead on on their opponents. But yeah, I think B's for both. Yeah, looking at Gallo's numbers, he's still one of the best power hitters. Obviously, the exit velocity numbers are off the charts. He's 99th percentile in hard hit percent and barrel rate. So just lots to like about uh, his slugging uh, ability and how that will trend going forward. Uh, He will continue to be a power hitter, even though the slugging did dip as a Yankee because it wasn't really because the power had left, but just the overall plate presence was kind of in a really bad spot that it affected all of his stats, including the slugging. But I do think that the power is completely here to stay. I'm not sure many people are debating that if you saw the replay of that home run he hit the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what ballpark that was in. Was it? I mean, it, Minnesota, right? Was it? Yeah. I just remember it Against was... the Cubs? Well, okay, yeah. And then uh-huh. it was it was just so... It was off, yeah, Wisnecki or whatever. And yeah, I, I, it was I dro- like triple deck. I, I dropped him in fantasy <laughs> the second that happened. But, you know, that's how it goes. But anyways, uh, looking at uh, his other numbers, does swing and miss at the ball quite a lot. Like what I was saying about Trout, but just like times two almost, where he just, you know, he will miss balls in the zone. It's going to happen. And he will also chase a bit more than, than guys like Trout or the more disciplined guys. But he still does walk a lot, and he hits a lot for power. Has a good outfielder jump score. So I do think that overall um, he's going to continue to put up numbers. Um, I've been high on him. I was hoping the Yankee stuff was more fluky than who he was going forwards. And I'm glad that he's rebounding. So I hope the best for him and the Twins. If they can you know, keep that division lead going, they should be... Uh, I think they can they, they can compete with anyone almost, especially if they can stay healthy. I think that Correa and Buxton both have injury concerns like always, but uh, if, if they do keep it together, I think that there's uh, a lot of upside here. Kepler is someone who I'm always super high on. Um, I know that Correa uh, will have better numbers before the season's over, um, and there, there's just some depth here that I like. Uh, Alex Kirilov has had a really good... Um, you know, he's at a 10, 13 OPS that speaks for itself in, uh, in 10 games played. So, uh, and we know their pitching is fun. We've talked about that for a while now, but Travis, we'll keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Let's talk about the Dodgers briefly here. They at first started out slow, Travis. It was like, oh, maybe the Diamondbacks are here. Maybe that, maybe the Padres can, can, uh, compete with the Dodgers. Of course, nope. Uh, baseball fans who thought that might've been the case, uh, are now learning the Dodgers, continue to reign supreme in the NL West. So currently looking at their uh, record is 27 and 16. They're three games ahead of Arizona, seven games ahead of San Diego. They also have by far the best uh, run differential in their division. And so looking at sort of what they uh, bring to the table, Travis, I think that it is a weaker Dodgers roster than the last couple seasons. They didn't make a huge splash, but a lot of their guys have just been playing well. Muncie has been playing very well, I'd say. Freeman, sort of some standard Freeman uh, batting numbers there. Mookie Betts, I'd say some standard Mookie batting, maybe a bit low on the average this year, but you're still getting you know a well above average bat with elite defense. Will Smith is giving you great offense thus far this Incredible season. Incredible this year. Actually over 1,000 on the OPS. Um, and then May and Kershaw are giving you great pitching. After that, the pitching depth does get maybe a bit concerning. Julio Urias is 
uh, not quite doing what he did the last couple seasons yet. He also will be a free agent, so contract year for him. Syndergaard has been uh, hit or miss, a lot of a lot of miss, but did have a good outing the other night. Um, Gonsolin, only 19 innings pitched, um, kind of has to show some more uh, for me. But Travis, given, I guess, the shallowness of the pitching, maybe more shallow than we're used to. However, they always can kind of tweak these relievers into being successful. They don't need to have a big-name closer to be a real threat um, in the bullpen. But give me give me a grade for the Dodgers because if you think about what we're used to for them, it might seem like a down year. But if you think about what they're actually producing right now, I mean, almost all their hitters are above average, if not you know, well above average. And they have enough pitching, I think, to run away with the division still and and mm-hmm. the division still has a lot of talent on multiple different teams uh, across the NL, NL West. Give me your grade for the Dodgers and, and break them down how you see them. Yeah, I I still got to give them an A right now with again I I think this lineup is it's almost like year by year it, I don't want to say the lineup's getting worse though it's getting worse on paper but the production is getting better <laughs> which is which is really crazy to think you know Miguel Vargas he right now has an OPS above 100 so he's being of course productive being a rookie um you know Muncie was playing out of his mind last month he's kind of cooling a little bit off but still 14 home runs at this point that that's incredible Outman is probably looking like an NL rookie of the year uh strong candidate uh Mookie's playing like Mookie Will Smith is playing so far the best baseball he's played Freeman's being Freeman um, you are getting, uh, you know, decent numbers from a guy like Jason Hayward, who we really didn't think too much of, uh, at a 100 OPS plus. And that's, that's actually a blessing. I would say, um, one thing that is concerning is the pitching on, on the pitching side. Um, Dustin may came out of the game today after 16 pitches, uh, is right elbow. He did have Tommy John on that elbow. So I would be, I'm, I'm very Curious to see what's going on with that right now because he is one of their, I would say, if not, um, he is their best pitcher right now. If he's he's going game one, most likely in a playoff series, just looking at what he provides. But um, if if he has to come out with uh, you know a long IL stint, then again you kind of go back to the same issue of you know they probably got to make a move. They have to bring someone up from the minors. Uh, but of course, with the Dodgers, I am confident they could bring someone up and he could perform uh, in an all-star fashion level. But they—they're just—I almost say that they're limping, but they're—they're they're limping faster than everyone else is running right now. So it, that's what makes them so uh, so crazy to watch and so crazy to to see these stats and these numbers every single day and every single week. So I, I still give them an A because I think if you put this with 20, 25 different teams, they'd probably be in complete. Uh, a complete worse fashion than what the Dodgers are offering right now. Yeah, looking at some of the different players and how they're performing, I think that they still are, you know, a shoe in to be a NL champion kind of threat, winning their 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 league. Uh, some of the the few weaknesses I think can be addressed at the deadline. I think that they are a team where, um, it, it, to me, it's like you know what you got. Uh, with the things that are going well, like Betts and Freeman and Smith and Muncie. I feel like you can just like lock those guys in. I'm obviously tragic injuries can happen, but I feel like you can just lock those guys in for production this year. Like it's almost like I'm not worried about the corner and field spots. I'm not worried about catcher um, or catcher kind of slash DH how Smith plays it. But 
Um, and then Mookie's playing some middle infield as well as right field. So he's all over the place. But um, looking around the field at just kind of what they can address, I feel like they could really use, you know, an outfield bat. And those are always available at the deadline. I could see them trying to get like a Jock Peterson, I think I mentioned last week. I think you mentioned like a Lamont Wade. You know, there might yep. be a bit of a tax staying in division going to a rival. But I do think that um, there are, you know, left-handed bats that could replace a guy like Peralta, you know, who has a really bad OPS plus so far. Looking at Looking at David Peralta, you know, it was an interesting signing when it happened. He's 35, you know, lefty outfield bat. Not really sure what he was going to provide. The numbers have been really poor so far. But Travis, looking at his stat cast, a really interesting profile. He actually hits the ball pretty hard still. A definitely above average exit velo and a, an 85th percentile hard hit rate. But for some reason, the expected batting average, the expected slugging, it's all really low. And I think it's because he must be hitting the ball on the ground a ton. A low barrel rate, probably bad launch angle stuff. But he avoids strikeouts uh, and, and doesn't have the best uh, walk. Uh, he's he's up there kind of swinging to get hits and is keeping it on the ground even though he's hitting it hard. So a, a really interesting profile, but does play good defense. So I am interested to see how the Dodgers view Peralta. If they, if they kind of look at him and say, we need to upgrade here give some more depth to the back end of the batting lineup, more depth in the outfield. I think there will be left-handed bats available at the deadline, like I said, in the outfield. Also looking at, you know, a guy like Outman, Travis, we were both uh, praising him after the first month. He definitely was like an NL Rookie of the Year candidate for the first month. I will say that as good as he's been, I am seeing a bit of a decline here, which is to be expected from a young player like him. But there's just so much swing and miss. He whiffs a ton. He's he's one percentile. He's the bottom one percent in MLB in terms of swinging and missing um, at balls in the zone. You know, he's not chasing bad pitches. He's just swinging and missing at MLB. You know, pitchers who are who are throwing gas and 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 throwing junk. So he's still really fast. And I think that, um, you know, looking at some of the rest of what he brings to the table, there's good speed, arm strength, uh, defense uh, is really solid in center field. But I think that they may want to add some pop to the back of the order, in my opinion. You know, Hayward maybe can provide some of that. But I think Outman, you know, slipping a bit. Peralta, really interesting guy. We'll have to make some tweaks. So I don't think I don't think J.D. Martinez is going to be the guy to turn to. Yeah, I'm not sure that he, you know, you want his defense out there on a regular basis. Uh, it, it, it's, it's it's a fun challenge, and I know that Friedman will figure out something that will work for them. And, I, we, you know, the rumor is always, of course, that they're saving up for Shohei. The Shohei conversations are, are really fun, too, because, uh, I don't know, Angel fans are already, I feel like they're already, like, looking forward to their life without him because yep. yeah. uh, they, they we're, they're almost tired of hearing this stuff about, oh, you know, Tungsten O'Doyle this or, you know, whatever it is about, you know, Trout and Otani combined for two home runs and 11 strikeouts on the mound and the Angels still lost uh, eight to five or whatever. So I think Angel fans are really done with uh, those conversations. But but that being said, um, even if the Dodgers were to get Otani, obviously he'd be an amazing addition for any team, but I feel like their strength is in their depth. I think that um, adding some depth at the deadline will be huge for them Um, because guys like Muncie, Smith, Freeman, they are doing their part at the top of the order. Um, If the bottom of the order kind of clicks as well, the sky's still still the limit. They're a World Series caliber team to me. 
Um, Travis, anyone else in mind? We'll keep this going for a little bit longer, but anyone that you wanted to bring up? Um, yeah, just, I mean, one team I wanted to just slightly cover is the Detroit Tigers. They um, they took the game today against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are now 20 and 21, so one game under 500. What do you make of Alex? I mean, I I think there's some some luck involved. I, I think that there's going to be some regression, but I mean, if... if if you told me 40 games in Tigers are second place and they're playing 500 baseball, I mean, I would, I'd be completely shocked, but what do you make of this so far? Yeah, they're in an interesting spot. Second in the central, um, but still a few games behind Minnesota, right? It's not, yep. it's not uh two and a half right now. It's not a terrible spot to be. It's definitely in striking distance. Um, their run differential is certainly worse than Minnesota at the moment. Um, baseball reference does this little like, this little like strength of score or they call it a simple rating system. It just kind of factors in run differential and strength of schedule. And so right now they have uh, Detroit as the second best team, but it is still a negative score. So I think that they're probably profiting a bit off the weak division here, you know, and though Travis, that that's how it goes. If you're in a weaker division, your margin for error kind of increases. You, you have more opportunity to make like a late push and try to sneak the division or, or to, um, you know, obviously competing with this version of the White Sox and this version of the Royals is going to be, you know, quite easy, even though there's a bit less divisional play, there's still a lot of divisional play this season. So they're going to be able to take some series against some inferior opponents. I still would have to, in my opinion, guess that Cleveland finishes out higher than Detroit. Yep. Um, and I still would have Minnesota, I think, as my favorite. They feel like the most complete team. I like their pitching. Um, I like their depth. And they have lots of guys who I think are standout. Um, Detroit, Travis, overall, um, a really weird team to look at. Their numbers across the board. I mean, their entire team outside of Riley Green, in terms of the everyday guys, uh, are hitting below 100 OPS+. plus. Um, some guys on the bench like Zach McKinstry, um, he's played, looks like about 100 plate appearances. He's slightly above that number. He's at 113 OPS plus. But overall, just not a ton of bats that you would really love to see, you know, in, in some sort of like postseason push. Bias swinging the bat pretty poorly. Jonathan Scope hitting the ball pretty poorly. Turkelson, I think, um, is still going to be one of those guys. I think he's going to be... A special at some point but has not really showed it yet at the big league level you know and just lots of guys who i mean i can keep listing names of guys that are yeah. underperforming you know miguel cabrera travis is hitting 189 at the moment with uh not much pop zero home runs just three doubles um but but travis i mean they are getting wins you're right they're winning series against uh other teams eduardo rodriguez has had a great start to the year lorenzen has not been so bad um and there's some good names in the bullpen but in my mind if i had to decide on a direction for this team i mean i'll give them i'll give them you know a b minus is that is that fair <laughs> that's fair yeah i'm gonna give them a b minus um just for being above expectations at the moment giving the fans a better product to cheer for getting them more engaged i think that you know to to kind of trigger any rebuild into like a successful window will require some level of excitement from the fans. So this is a good little step towards that. You know, first quarter of the season being around 500 is a good spot to be. Uh, but Travis, looking at you know some of their bullpen arms are doing quite well. I would view them more as a team that should be looking to be sellers. 
uh, try to get something for a guy like Lorenzen maybe at the deadline. Maybe um, they have a guy, Alex Lang, who is a 1.06 ERA through uh, 18 games pitched, 17 innings. So um, there's different guys in the pen that I think could be, you know, trade pieces. And I think that, you know, a lot of youth in their in their offense uh, will continue to develop Veerling, Riley Green, Torkelson, like we mentioned, um, Akil Badu still 24. I, I mean, Badu has not really reproduced what he did in his rookie year when yep. I, I thought he was up there um, as like a top two, three, top four, at least like rookie of the year candidate when he was a rookie, but has not really reproduced that, but he's still just 24. So it's kind of important to factor in like, hey, this guy could have a rebound at some point here. Um, don't write him off completely quite yet. Uh, so yeah, I think that they could be a fun team in a handful of years, but um, you know, I haven't seen it. I think a quarter of a season, I can't give them too much praise just because there's still so much time left in the year for them to kind of end up being, you know, a losing team, a team that's going to be selling and all that kind of stuff. And then just factor that in with, I'm not sure that their future is as bright as some of the other rebuilding teams. So um, I'll stick with a B minus, maybe even a C plus um, for me. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you right there. B for me. I, I, I don't want to give them an A because again, I don't, I don't want to give luck, you know, uh, an A plus grade or, you know, a, an, an excellent grade, but I, I just don't that the numbers for me just don't make that much sense where they're at 500. I mean, they're, they're getting, they're winning ball games, but they did sweep the Mets and they yeah. won a series against the Cardinals Crazy. just a, oh, about a week or plus ago. They, they've had some pretty impressive series wins over the, over the last couple of weeks, but, um, I, I do think that a, a strong B is, is a good place for them right now. Yeah. Um, looking at some of the other teams we can kind of highlight, Travis, or teams or players, um, we've seen a bit of a slip from Pittsburgh. Uh, they're 22 and 20, two games behind Milwaukee. Do you see Milwaukee giving up the lead in the division again? Uh, right now, Pittsburgh is still uh, three games ahead of Chicago uh, Cubs and Cincinnati Reds. St. Louis is still last in that division, surprisingly. But, you know, Pittsburgh, it was a fun first month story. What grade do you give them a quarter of the way through? You know, do you see them as a team that's actually currently built to stay in this race, whether it be the, the division race or or an NL wildcard race? Or do you kind of think that was a fun story? Take your here's 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 a b and c in next year yeah i i yeah i think a b for them as well um i don't see them coming back and you know reclaiming the uh the first place spot for the national league central um it was a good run i think it were like 20 and like 10 but now they're 22 and 20 so they've gone on some losing streaks over the last two weeks so um i think it was a good good start to the season but um but right now you know not not gonna say they're i i'm pretty confident they're not gonna be you know challenging the brewers come uh come august september so i'd give them a b right now yeah i think that makes sense uh we'll keep it rolling to cover just the last couple kind of teams and players that come to mind uh to wrap it up here uh texas travis it's going to be hard to give them uh something besides an <laughs> a just yeah. based on how well they're playing 26 and 16 um their offense has really been clicking and that's been a lot of time without Corey seager uh, he is coming back. I think he might have either came back today or or he's back tomorrow. Yep. But he, uh, you know, the team as a whole has done quite well offensively outside of, you know, a handful of guys, their whole offense 
um, batting order is, you know, we're talking about 110 plus on the OPS plus numbers. Um, guys like Haim, guys like Semyon uh, putting up some all-star uh, slash lines offensively. Uh, Seager was hitting the ball well before injury. I, I expect them to kind of continue that. Um, and some of the pitching has been maybe a bit better than expected. I've always been high on Evaldi. He's pitching, you know, every bit of that contract. I, I, he's someone who I wish the Angels would have targeted. I had him on my list for sure. Um, guys like John Gray, I expect some regression. I'm not high on Martin Perez either. Heaney has not pitched uh, amazingly. Um, and DeGrom's been hurt. So I do think that they still... Even if they end up winning the division, which I'm not going to, you know, say is, is a lock by any means, but even if they end up being that kind of team, I still think there's some real uh, considerable weaknesses. Um, I think that their bullpen, uh, there are some good guys and, you know, Will Smith's had like a pretty solid year, but Angels did get to him. And I'll just put it this way. I don't know if this is, maybe this is a little bit of like old head logic or like some, some, you know unfair logic but i do i do know that when will smith came into the game travis against the angels a couple series back and they ended up coming back and winning that game for whatever reason i just was not afraid of him i don't know if that's unfair but when he came into the game i was like oh we got some guys that can hit lefties like i'm, I'm ready for this and, mm-hmm. and and wallach hit one off the wall to like uh you know almost tie the game and then i think Renifo hit him in or something like that but Anyways, Travis, I do think that they're like, like I said, there are some weaknesses on this team. So I'm going to give them an A. You have to give them an A, I feel like. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not going to just put all my chips on them in Vegas and say this team is, is running the tables. Um, Cause I do think they have a lot of talent and they will con- kind of continue being fun. Um, Adolis Garcia, Travis, I think has made meaningful improvements. I think every year, the last two, three years, he's gotten a bit better at the plate. He's always had the pop, but he's getting better, I think, with the eye, um, laying off bad pitches, um, just being a better player. I think he's working on a lot of stuff, so I'm happy with him. Um, And, you know, there's just tons to like. But that being said, um, being a runaway AL West winner, you know, with teams like Houston, the Mariners, the Angels, it would still surprise me if I'm being honest. I still think that by the deadline, by the second half, they'll be in the mix with those other other three teams I mentioned. So Yeah, you um, said it. You yeah. said it all. A A for them on the start. Um again, I g- great start. You got to give them an A. Uh great guys are performing without DeGrom or Seager in the rotation or lineup. Um so like I mentioned, guys are stepping up. That's that's huge for this team right now. That's going to create so much more depth than a lot of other teams have. And um, yeah, even, even starting pitching has done a great job. But like, like you mentioned, I, I, I probably could see this team regressing um, as the season goes forth. I think the Astros will be a team that you still uh, will see win the American League West, but Texas is going to be a tough team to uh, to battle out for the Mariners and the Angels for a second, possibly maybe a third place spot for the West. And, and those two spots could mean wild card spots because uh, i think the east and the west right now are battling it out for for wild card spots i don't think the central is going to have any teams um making the wild card so uh a for them right now but uh like you mentioned down the stretch we'll we'll see kind of where they fall all right we'll do two more here travis this is gonna be a bit of a fun one the new york mets have not uh 
really been living up to i'm sure what f their owner steve cohen has projected travis <laughs> travis doesn't even let me do my little preamble it's an immediate f for the 20 and 23 Mets. Frank fleming f they, they are six and a half going into today they're six and a half back from the braves that's fourth in the nl nl east they are behind philly who's had a, a rough go they're behind miami who is like a rebuilding team uh end up they're actually at 500 somehow um, but Travis, given where the Mets are at right now, I, I still look at the talent, right? And on paper, they should be playing a bit better. Their run differential is negative. So there is some real things they need to figure out. You know, they've been on quite a bit of a downward spiral. They, I mean, they were had a good record like two, three weeks ago, like like late like turn of April into March. They were in a pretty good spot. But right now, um, definitely having a bad go at things. Um, the offense, kind of a lot of average bats hitting average. McNeil is hitting like a league average guy. Lindor has a league average bat. Brent Batty, Brent Beatty, a uh, league average bat. You know, a lot of these guys are not hitting the ball great. Canna, Marte, leaving some things to be desired. And the pitching staff, Travis, um, they have two guys who are really old and they have not been able <laughs> yep. to pitch that many innings. I mean, Scherzer only has 27 innings pitched. Verlander has 17 innings pitched and both guys not great on the ERAs anyway. So even if you were getting um, these guys pitching every single outing, the production has not even been that great anyways. Travis, their best starting pitcher ERA at the moment is a 4.02 in Tyler McGill. So, um, we know what the weakness is at the moment. I feel like it's the pitching staff, the starting pitching, but, um, you know, they're a team that's been banged up even before the season started with Edwin Diaz, but you know, you're giving them an F, but, but is it doom and gloom? Is it season over or yeah. is there enough here to kind of fix this? Um, w- what's your take? It's not over. They have the talent that could get this thing back on track. The way that Atlanta's playing right now is going to be a tough team to catch but i don't think it's impossible i think this team is definitely still poised for a wild card run but again we as mets fans you don't want to see another wild card run where you're hosting three games at home or you're going somewhere for three games and you cannot make it out of the wild card series and then you you know your season is basically over with and 162 games kind of meant nothing but um they just right now are not performing as everyone expected uh all the way around i mean i, I think you know McNeil, Lindor, uh, I know they got Brett Beatty. I think they even demoted, or um, yeah, Eduardo Esquire, I think actually has just been so bad that they just stopped playing him. Um, so they, they have some things to figure out, I, I will say. Right now it's an F for me because this is unacceptable for the New York Mets with the money they spend um, and what the players, how they're performing, it's an F. So, uh, but I, again, I, I am I am still optimistic that they can kind of turn this thing around, get back on track, but uh, it, very uncharacteristic start right now. And I'll go to the last team here, Travis. Um, we'll cover our team real quickly. The, uh, of course, the Angels. Oh, right, yeah. uh, they just lost today, moving them to twenty-two and twenty-two. I believe they are about five games back of Texas. Not sure if Texas's game is over today, and then they're also a few games behind Houston. It feels like everything is still in play in my mind i could see the angels being a threat for the division at the deadline i could also see them being you know 10 games out and yeah. and, and selling yeah. selling selling their best uh guys who are on short-term deals so uh i don't know exactly what to make um so i'm gonna go ahead and go with my gut and just give them a b okay. that, that might be a bit high mm-hmm. um i just think that there's been 
there's been uh what's the word there's been challenges i'll put it that way and they still managed to be a 500 team logan ohapi had a really special start to the year got injured stassi um was not great offensively last year but still has been their go-to starter for the last two plus seasons he um has not even made his uh debut this season quite yet Zach Neto um, was not part of this season's plan, right? We have to rely on him because um, other guys like Fletcher not hitting the ball well, Renjifo maybe not the best glove, um, Urshela trying to play shortstop to help the team out, end up saying, you know what, let's call up the youngster we drafted less than a year ago. Can he contribute for us right now? He's playing pretty great, in my opinion, playing good defense. The bat's not been elite, but I do like... um, what he's bringing to the table. I think the power will come for him. He's got good exit velocity. Um, just needs to figure out how to get it in the gaps and in the air. I think he will uh, become a really solid five tool kind of player at shortstop. That being said, you know, there's been some good guys in the bullpen. There's been some bad guys in the bullpen. There's been some good guys in the rotation and some bad guys. You know, I think that Otani is still Otani. The The recent starts have been uh, getting some bad press for him but i still think he's you know an elite you know ace pitcher sandoval has been great demers has been really good despite um a couple rocky outings i do think that he rebounds uh well here at some point but the bottom of the rotation you know suarez he's on the il but travis we both know i think his his days are are done as a as a starter for this team this season at least unless things get you know more dire with injuries but you know i mean Look at some of the names in the pen. I like Estevez. I like Moore. I like Wance. Um, Berea, I don't really believe in him a ton, but he's been good in long relief, I'll say. Herget, I still have some faith in. Davinsky. So there's just guys across the board who I can say, you know what? Um, I just think there's enough pieces. There's enough names I like. There's enough talent to go around. in classic Angels fashion, Travis, things could crash and burn. Mm-hmm. But um, even even the even the position player depth, uh, Maniac coming up immediately, hitting a couple home runs in just a couple games at the big league level after starting the year in AAA. Adele's been hitting the ball great in AAA. Uh, every time we call a guy up, you know Walsh um, is on his rehab starts. When Walsh comes back, that's even more left-handed uh, offense to help us because that's something we've been lacking outside of Otani and you know Jake Lamb, who's not had a great year. So overall, Travis, I just think that there is, um, I think it's impressive. I'll put it that way that we are uh, a, f- a 500 team given the amount of you know injury adversity, um, the way that we have had depth step up has been key. And I think that as other teams have their injuries and stuff, Angels can can probably be a resilient force. Um, they'll, of course, need Trout and Otani to continue being superstars, and they'll need the depth to kind of continue, stay the course, stay healthy, hopefully. Um, things can go either way. You know, Rendon's already hurt again. Uh, that's hopefully not going to be the case for the whole season. Hopefully that's a really short thing. But, you know, with him, you're never quite sure. But a B might be generous, Travis. That may be a homer, a homer grade. But... Uh, give me your thought, uh, given their current uh, kind of standing in their division. And, and you know, I think that just given what they've had to deal with, I'm leaning B. Yeah, um, I will go a little bit lower. I'll say C. Uh, C is pretty middle uh, middle of the road. Uh, it's It sounds like almost like a 500 kind of, uh, uh, I guess a 500 in some fashion. But um, being where they are right now, uh being very bad against teams above 500, being good against teams below 500, I think that just calls for a solid C grade. 
Um, I will say they have battled adversity this year with injuries so far. Austin Warren, Jose Quijada out for the year. Tommy John, Ohapi most likely out for the season unless he were to come back in September with the torn labrum. So they have battled some adversity. No at-bats from Stassi or Walsh yet, and they're still only you're still 500. is actually still kind of special to look at, but. Defensively, we we are making a lot of errors. Um, start some starting pitchers aren't getting the job done, or aren't pitching like they have been. Um, you know, Tyler Anderson is a guy that we 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 saw spectacular numbers of last year. He has not been the way he was um, with the Dodgers. And then, um, yeah, I mean Jose Jose Suarez, but it just it just kind of was just been a complete disaster with an ERA above nine. Um, and then, you know, some injuries here and there on the infield. You know, I know Rendon's going to battle them here and there, but we do have a lot of depth. I, I do like kind of where we're clicking. You know, we're going to have tough series here or there, but I just think that staying the course, keeping this 500 record into July, August is just so crucial and important that uh, that that that's going to be the biggest key in, in seeing if we can, by chance, make a playoff run, um, you know, come September. But I'll give them a solid C right now. There are things we could improve on, uh, but I think that, you know, with everything that's happened so far, if you told me 500 right now, I'd say, you know what, that sounds pretty accurate. That sounds pretty nice. I'll take that any day. So C is my grade for the angels. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it, they're, they're just in a really funny spot. You know, like we said, they're 500. Um, if I take a bit of a closer look at, you know, they're, they're standing in the league. Uh, if I try, I'm trying to find them here. They are, I mean, yeah, they have a they have a positive run differential. Um, their schedule's been, I think, so so. They've played good teams and bad. Uh, but but looking at you know their rec, people make a lot of bu- a buzz about their record against winning teams is really bad. The record against losing teams is good. So what do you make of that? You know, Travis. To me personally, I don't think that's like an identity thing. I don't think like the Angels have it's some. It's early. Sort of, yeah. It's not like oh, this team doesn't have you know the balls for lack of a better word to to go beat like the Orioles in their own ballpark or to go beat the Red Sox in their own ballpark. Like, yeah, those series didn't go our way. I think that that's just because it's, you know, been 40 games and good teams are good and and bad teams are bad. And and when you play them, those are the way that uh, a a solid team like the Angels will probably lose more to good teams. It's just kind of natural. So as the season goes on, the Angels will win some series against good teams. They'll lose some series against bad teams. That's how baseball works. And I do think that they will end up being in the mix for most of the season. Um, whether they end up as buyers at the deadline will probably uh, be the big decider as to if they, if they can make a playoff push in my mind. Because they do have the talent in my mind. They have the talent. It comes down to if they can kind of keep it up and run the marathon, which you know has been a trouble for them last couple seasons. But Travis, that kind of wraps up that whole segment. Um, it was fun to kind of look at some different teams, just trying to find a new way to... Uh, a new lens to view the the MLB through and some of these teams and players who are doing, you know, both good and poorly. So that kind of does it for this episode, Travis. Um, that's all I have for us. A bit of a, a little bit of a shorter one, but just trying to um, kind of get our thoughts uh, midweek here. Um, we'll get back to you uh, listeners um, at some point in, in, in a little over a week. You know, our guy, Travis, He's he's got business on the road. He's got a <laughs> he's got stuff to do across the states. So um, he'll be he'll be abroad. Um, so I'll be in uh, yeah the Tigers country. So uh, Angels won't be there, will they? That's too uh, that's too unfortunately bad. Unfortunately not. No, I should too, just plan my trips around that. Yeah. Hey boss, I gotta come back in June. Okay, it's like that's you just, right. That's right. <laughs> you just gotta map it out. But no. Uh, yeah, that pretty much does it for this episode. Uh, we appreciate your support as always, and we'll talk to you guys next time.
presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>